Welcome to All Are Welcome, an Evergreen Christian Church podcast. Today, we have a sermon for you. Please join us in listening. We have two scriptures today. First is from Acts chapter 4, verses 5 through 10. The next day, a meeting was called in Jerusalem. The rulers, religious leaders, religion scholars, Annas, the chief priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, everybody who was anybody was there. They stood, Peter and John, in the middle of the room and grilled them. Who put you in charge here? What business do you have doing this? With that, Peter, fully full of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, let loose. Rulers and leaders of the people, if we have been brought to trial today for helping a sick man put under investigation regarding his, this healing, I'll be completely frank with you. We have nothing to hide. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one you killed on the cross, the one God raised from the dead. And then from John 10, verses 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd puts the sheep before himself, sacrifices himself if necessary. A hired man is not a real shepherd. The sheep mean nothing to him. He sees a wolf come and runs for it leaving the sheep to be ravaged and scattered by the wolf. He's only in it for the money. The sheep don't matter to him. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and my own sheep know me. In the same way, the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I put the sheep before myself, sacrificing myself if necessary. You need to know that I have other sheep in addition to those in this pen. I need to gather and bring them too. They also recognize my voice. Then it will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I freely lay down my life. And so I am free to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay, down my, I lay it down by my own free will. I have the right to lay it down. I also have the right to take it up again. I received this authority personally from my Father. Thanks be to God. If you'll please join me in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. May all that's done in this service today do nothing other than help us to seek justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bob, for your scripture reading. I take a lot of solace in this combination of scriptures we've been reading and, and uh, using as liturgy today. This imagery is of Jesus as the good shepherd brings me so much 
calm to my life to know that we're blessed and secured by the works of the Good Shepherd. In fact, it's the reason why I'm a Christian. Because the life and works of Jesus and the teachings and the grace of Christ and the life and the death and the resurrection compel me to follow Jesus. It's not out of a fear of some kind of eternal damnation that I believe in God. And it's not only because I was raised in the church, and it's not only because I want salvation and the promise of life everlasting. It's not out of obligation or duty, although I find those things are in my faith, but it's out of delight. I'm a Christian because I think so highly of God's grace and the life and teaching of Jesus that I want to follow him, to embody the things he preached about, to acknowledge my love for God and to act upon it. I am a Christian on my own accord, or as the scripture as Bob read it, of my own free will. Listen to the words of Christ from the Gospel of John. This will be a little bit different than what Bob read. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. It's a powerful sentiment from Jesus, theologically and spiritually, and to me personally. Christ knows the day will come when he will die. He knows the path he goes down will end up in his death and his resurrection. But he also knows he can choose another path if he really desired to. But he chooses to continue going down this path of radical love that so threatens the Roman Empire and the Jewish leadership that they conspire to kill him. He chooses to do the will of God, chooses to lay down his life of his own accord. He has been given the authority to choose. And he acts out of love not because anything obligates him to, but because he did it of his own accord. He follows the direction of the Father of his own accord. The passage we first read from the book of Acts follows Peter and John preaching to the people. They preached to the people and they've healed a man, but they were thrown in jail. And it says the authority figures were startled They were disturbed because the people were choosing of their own accord to believe and follow this message of the resurrected Jesus. And so the next day, Peter and John are put onto a kind of trial. And they're asked how it was possible that a man who could not walk properly, who was lame, is now healed. Peter has a choice. He just spent the night in jail. And the powers that be have already started their attempt to silence his preaching. And Peter and John are kind of towing the line right now. 
It's abundantly clear that one step over the line means punishment for them. So Peter and John can take the easy way out, the safe way out. They could back down and hide and silence themselves and recant what they said or repudiate any claims of healing. They don't know how this man got healed. And it would be a lot safer for them to do so, most likely. But they choose of their own accord to testify and witness to the healing of the lame man. And they choose of their own accord to testify to the works and life and death and resurrection of Jesus. They choose to testify in spite of the danger that their testimony presents to them. They choose of their own accord to act boldly. The authorities want to punish, to threaten Peter and John for all they say and testify to, but because of Peter and John's witness, because of the healing of the lame man that all gathered have witnessed, the crowd begins praising God. The good book says that they could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. Their witness changed the crowd, and the crowd now protected them through praising God. The authorities no longer could punish them. They said, everybody knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. Peter and John followed the example of Christ. They acted of their own accord and they acted boldly, even knowing that repercussions would come from it. And because they acted boldly, many believed and praised God. Friends, it is well past time that the church was like Peter and like John and like Jesus. It's a tired and weary world. And I'll speak now things that have been weighing pretty heavy on my heart in the last weeks. And like Peter and John and Jesus, I'm going to attempt to speak boldly of my own accord, the reality of the world I see around me. These past few weeks, even months, have been punctuated by grief and sorrow caused by terrible gun violence. Mass shootings in Atlanta, Boulder, Indianapolis, Austin, Chicago, Columbus, Kenosha, and unfortunately I think there's been another one, and maybe some shootings that I've forgotten within the past few months. And in these few weeks, it has also been gruesomely revealed to us that police in Chicago shot and killed a 13-year-old boy. His hands were up, no weapon in his hands. His name's Adam Toledo, and they shot and killed him. And Dante Wright was shot and killed by a woman who supposedly mistook her pistol for her taser. This past week, we heard a guilty verdict of a very heated trial of Derek Chauvin. But I think 
folks have been misconstruing this for justice. This is not justice. Maybe it's accountability, but it's not justice. Justice would mean that Gianna Floyd's papa would still be alive today. In these last few weeks, we've been hit by health scares and setbacks for many beloveds in our congregation. In all around me, I hear echoes of questions. Questions of how do we fix this? So that people are not afraid to interact with cops. How do we fix this so that people are not afraid to go to the grocery store, to a FedEx facility, to church? How do we fix this? What is the church going to do? I'm not exactly sure what we're going to do. But I know what we need to do. We need to act boldly. In truth and love like Christ. To do it of our own accord. There will be attempts to silence folks, to assuage folks with complacency, to persuade or coerce us in a certain kind of way, to beg strict adherence to legalities or to convince people with the fear of hell or the desire of heaven that we must believe a certain thing or act in a certain way. But I tell you, church, that if you follow Christ and the examples of Jesus, you must do what Jesus did to of your own accord act boldly and to lay down your life. Life as you know it, your preconceived notions, even your own experiences, you have to put them aside to hear what others are going through to understand the hate or the fear or the uncertainty that they're feeling. I think, and this is a realization I've come to in the last weekend, I think part of the decline of the church in the states today is because we're trying to answer questions that nobody is interested in. And maybe part of the decline is that we're trying to give definitive answers to questions that do not have definitive answers. Sometimes it's bold to say, I don't know, but maybe together we can find out. Sometimes it's bold to say, all I can do is testify to the love of Christ within me and walk humbly with you. And in the scriptures, that is what leads the people to praise God. 
to speak the truth, to say it boldly, to witness to the love of Christ. That's what leads the people to love and follow Jesus. It's not the fear of punishment, nor is it the threat of damnation, but I tell you, it's when people see bold authenticity. The daring Peter and John following the path of God's love that has been set before them, saying, yes, we did heal that man. And we did through through the power of Christ to see that nothing influenced them to say that other than the joy they have in following God's love. And if we daringly follow the path of God's love set before us of our own accord, we can do that too. But this is obviously not an easy thing to do. And that's why it comes with the assurance that Jesus does not abandon us. Not in times of danger, not when it seems like enemies surround us, not when we're hungry or thirsty, not when we ourselves are struggling and anxious and don't know and maybe don't care to follow. He's not like a hired hand who abandons the sheep when the lion comes. But Jesus is the good shepherd. The one who lays down his life for his sheep. God incarnated for us. That dies out of love for us. Don't you think Jesus will be there while we figure it out? Be assured, friends. That the confidence to be like Jesus, to act boldly and to follow Christ of our own accord, comes from the fact that Jesus loves us. Jesus knew he would die. And of his own accord, continued to act boldly, to lay down his life. And this shook up life for the disciples, for Peter and John. Peter, who so famously shied away. That same Peter testifies and witnesses to Jesus knowing it would mean punishment for him. They choose to act boldly and that is what draws the people to God. And that's what the resurrection meant for them. It was the confidence, the courage to act boldly, to follow Jesus not out of obligation, but because of the joy of doing so. Like I said, it's not easy. It means saying uncomfortable things. It means dreaming of a new way, dropping our preconceived notions. And these weeks it has meant to me mourning gun violence, while advocating to change this nation's relationship with these guns, the instruments of terror, for so many people. To look boldly at what other places are doing. This week it means to me working for accountability of our authority figures. That none is above the law. That none 
are above being held accountable. It means ensuring that none fear punishment and the threat of death from officers who are supposed to be protecting and serving. That none fear the threat of death when they go into a public space. I say this because it's on my heart and that this is the way in teaching of Jesus, not fear, not violence, but love. This week, this is what the resurrection means to me. The question and path I'm going on with Jesus is how will I act boldly so that none may have to fear again. Resurrection for Peter and John meant that in the face of punishment, probably violent punishment, that they boldly witnessed to Jesus and followed him of their own accord. So Evergreen Christian Church, I again leave you with this question. What does resurrection mean to you? Amen.